Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to the Best in the World with Richard Parr. This week's guest is Shannon Miller. She is the most decorated gymnast in American history. She's won seven medals in the Olympics and she was part of the famous Magnificent Seven gymnastics team that won gold on home soil in Atlanta in 1996. I'll be talking more about my chat with Shannon in just a moment. But I've got to tell you about this audiobook I've just started listening to. It's the one by Carlo Ancelotti called Quiet Leadership, Winning Hearts, Minds and Matches. And it's with Chris Brady and Mike Ford. Now, if this was a book, I would say I can't put it down. I literally downloaded it yesterday and I'm listening to hour after hour of it because it is fascinating. It's not your typical autobiography. It doesn't start with, this is where I was raised, this is where I played, this is where I managed. He does mention the teams he managed. He talks about Real Madrid, Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, AC Milan, Juventus, Reggiana, all those different teams, Palmer as well. But he does it by telling you different anecdotes and different stories of how you can improve yourself as a leader. And he gets some other players and managers and people he's worked with to give their insights on his philosophy, that of the quiet leadership. So it's a a really interesting way of of doing a book, something I've not really come across before. It's really looking at how he leads, how his personal relationships with certain players and his support staff and the fans and the board and the chairman and the president and how that all works and how that can translate to success on the pitch and then also in business. So even if you don't like football but you want to improve your role as a manager or you want a better understanding of what your manager might be going through, this is a very interesting book. And perhaps you're you're a coach of a under 12s basketball team or softball team or all different types of sports you could take a lot of these things which Carlo is teaching and that is exactly what we try to do here on the best in the world with Richard Parr so I haven't finished it yet so I don't know all of what it's going to be like but I'm really enjoying it and of course I'm listening to it on audible it's a product I use all the time I listen to as many audiobooks as I can because I want to get smarter I want to get my brain a little bit fitter and so I listen to Audible and these guys are great and in fact you can get a free audiobook download 
with Audible because they're my sponsor for this week's show. All you've got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. I'll say that one more time. Get a pen if you didn't get it the first time. It's audibletrial.com forward slash best. There you can get a 30-day free trial and one free audiobook download. If you like the sound of Carlo Ancelotti Quiet Leadership, get that one downloaded. It's about seven hours long, so it won't take long to listen to. If you listen to podcasts, you know they can be about 45 minutes to an hour, so just think, oh, it's seven podcasts, and you've got the whole knowledge of a book in your head. So it's fantastic. So audibletrial.com forward slash best. Now, while I've been trying to get my mind fitter I'm also trying to get my body fitter and in fact I've started a 21 day challenge at my gym that means I'll be doing workouts every single day but crucially I'm going to be cutting out gluten and dairy from my diet of course by cutting out gluten it's something which Novak Djokovic has done recently in the last few years and it's worked for him to fantastic success Unfortunately, he was knocked out early in Wimbledon this year, but he currently, at the time of this podcast, holds all four major Grand Slam titles. So it must be doing something right for him. So I thought I want to get a little bit fitter. I want to get a little bit leaner. Last month, I was actually trying to get a little bit bigger. I was bulking. I was trying to do little cardio, but now I want to lean back down, try and turn this muscle, which I think I've done in the last month, back leaner and so I can have a better looking body so uh, we'll see how that goes I'll keep you across my progress with that I'll keep you across that on the website richardparr.net on my twitter at richard underscore par and on my instagram richard underscore par and you'll have seen on my instagram recently that I was at Wimbledon for the first time at the weekend. A fantastic day. I'll be putting details of that on my website soon. I'll be talking a little bit more about gluten and dairy on my website soon. Plus, next week, I'm going to be talking about how I did with my goal setting. You may remember on the first episode of the year, I set my goals and my resolutions. So I'm going to tell you at the halfway point of how well I've been doing. There'll be a post about that on richardparr.net, but I'll talk about that as well next week. But let's get on to this week. Let's get on to Shannon Miller. As I said earlier, part of the famous Magnificent Seven gymnastics team that won gold in Atlanta in 1996. But what's even more amazing about Shannon is she successfully battled cancer. She did that in 2011. She's now five years cancer free. That's an incredible achievement. I had a fantastic chat with her. That's coming up in just a moment. We talk about a variety of things. She talks about how she keeps a positive attitude even in the most trying of times. And she learned a lot of that as a gymnast and that helped her get through her experience with cancer. We talk about that. She also talks about how it's even harder to get on to an Olympic team than it is to win a medal. And with the Rio Olympics just a few months away, a lot of athletes could really benefit from the knowledge from Shannon Miller. And as part of all that she does, she promotes a balanced and healthy lifestyle through the Shannon Miller Lifestyle and you can find that at shannonmiller.com. And as she'll tell you, you can also follow her on Twitter at shannonmiller96. Well, let's stop talking about Shannon Miller and let's hear from her because she's fascinating and she is, of course, the best in the world. 
the best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. Shannon Miller, welcome to the best in the world with Richard Parr. You're so busy right now with so many different things. We've got so much to get through. Why don't you just explain to some of our listeners what you've been up to in the last couple of months and what you've got planned coming up? Oh, goodness. Well, it has been um, a crazy, crazy couple of months. Um, Not only do I have um, my focus on on my company, which is uh, dealing with women's health and all of those regular activities, but of course, it's the Olympic year. It is the 20th anniversary of the Magnificent Seven, uh, my team from the 1996 Games. And um, I'm also celebrating five years cancer-free. So there's a lot going on. We've got a lot of great partners we're working with. And, um, and then I've got a big announcement coming up um, soon. Uh, in August, we will launch our fitness line of, of clothing uh, for kind of athletic wear for women to wear uh, when they go work out and um, when they're running around crazy, chasing the kids around. <laughs> so um, a lot of things going on. It's going to be, it's going to be a great and a, a really fun summer. Wow, so much going on there. How do you balance everything out? Um, I know you've got a great team behind you, but does what you learn as a gymnast uh, when you're a child and a teenager growing up, are there any of those skills and, and processes that you use then that you use now? Absolutely. Um, I rely on so much, uh, so many of the lessons that I learned through sport. Um, you certainly the, the understanding of the importance of goal setting, um, setting that long-term goal, but also backing that up with those short-term goals. What are those things that I can accomplish each and every day that get me further to that long-term goal? Um, certainly teamwork. Um, no, matter, no matter who you are, you've got a team around you. And, and I knew that with gymnastics, it wasn't just the six other girls standing next to me on that metal podium, but it was my coaches, my parents, uh, my community, my teachers who helped me um, continue with my education while training, the, um, the trainers and, and the doctors who patched me up and got me back on the floor. There's really a whole team of people with you, um, no matter where you are in life and what your goals are. I know for my cancer journey, I relied on teamwork a lot. It was a different team. It was um, my my husband and my family and my neighbors. It was the nurses and the doctors and, and a whole host of people that helped me through that. And then I, I think on a daily basis, um, you think about those resources and those people that you have around you. Um, I think being being able to have a positive attitude um, was a really important part of my career. It's an important part of my life now, trying to look at look at things and find that that good in there somewhere even even during the most trying of times trying to find that that good positive um, outlook on things Um, being the one person in the room that um, sees barriers as opportunities and um, can look at a challenge with a smile and and even a sense of humor at times Um, and I think you know probably one of the other lessons that I learned was really just to commit myself to excellence and that means um, really just giving it a hundred percent every day um, so that you're always feeling good about what you're accomplishing. Do you think it's the positive mental attitude that you had, which uh, some of your six other members of the Magnificent Seven looked up to you and, and looked towards you for it, in that form of leadership? Was that, would you say, one of your strongest personality traits, which they, they admired when, when you got your success? Um, you know, I think yes and no. I, I don't know if that was my strongest um that my strongest suit, I think probably for gymnastics, it was more of my mental game, my ability to, um, to really just 
work hard and see things through. Um, growing up, that's what I was known for. I was known for, for really just outworking <laughs> most everybody. I wasn't always the most talented or uh, the most flexible or the strongest athlete, but, but I would outwork anyone. Um, so I think hopefully that's what my teammates saw, um, you know, on top of hopefully a positive attitude and outlook. Um, I hope that they took away kind of leadership by example. It wasn't necessarily that I was preaching to them or kind of the, the cheerleader type of leader. I was more, I'm willing to do the work. Are you willing to do the work? How difficult is it being part of a team uh, in gymnastics when so much of it and many times it's just you, it's just you competing. So you kind of go from being an individual to being in a team. Was there ever any friction between any of the teams you were in? And how would you get past that? Yeah, you know, I think for gymnastics, it is very, it's a very interesting sport because um, it really is an individual sport. You're up there on the balance beam alone. Um, it's not like a team sport where you're all out there on the field of play together and you have to kind of work together as a cohesive team. Um, there's that element of, of being together as a team as far as just kind of supporting through workouts and, and that sort of thing and, and having people there with you with that special bond and that same uh, motivation and attitude. Um, but it is a different animal once you get out on the competition floor. And for the most part, almost all of our competitions are individual competitions. We are out there as an individual, maybe representing our country or our state or our um, club. Um, but it's really world championships and the Olympic games that are primarily the, the team events. And that's only two days of the entire competition. So it was having that balance between, um, really focusing on the team, um, for the, those two team competitions. And my attitude was always the highest score that I can get as an individual, the better the team will do, <laughs> because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what helps the team most is, is if I do well on my routines. And so that was always my focus. And that didn't change between competing as an individual or competing as, um, as a team. My focus was always to go out and do the very best routine that I could. And if I did that, then both the team and individually um, would be covered. I would I'd be doing well for both. And in your commitment to excellence, obviously there there's always bumps in the road on the way. And uh, of course, in 92, you, you came so close to winning gold. I think it's one of the, the closest margins in the all-arounds to, to just miss out on gold and get silver. How would you cope with uh, bumps in the road like that? And, and how would they help propel you forward later in your career? I think for me, it was that learning process. And, and it took a while. My, my coach was very patient. <laughs> uh, probably doesn't get enough credit for his patience with me. But um, instead of looking at falls um, and mistakes as um, just this frustrating thing and, and kind of you know, crying about it, he helped me understand that mistakes are part of the learning process. And they're a very important part of the learning process. If you never mistake, make, make a mistake in training, you're not going to know what to do and how to handle it when that happens in competition and it will happen. So he helped me understand that when I do have a mistake, when I have a fall, the most important thing to do was to learn from that and then move forward. So there's nothing you can do about it now. It's done. There's no do-overs, but here are the two or three corrections that you can think about. And next time, 
hopefully it won't happen again. Or at least if you fall again, it might be different corrections, but mm. you're going to get back up. And the important thing is that you get back up and keep trying. And that, was that a similar attitude you had towards injuries? Obviously, going into 96, you had a, a few injuries and well, as well. How is, is that how you would approach it? And, and when you would get back on back competing, would you ever be concerned in the back of your head or, or you could be recurring one of your old injuries? How, how would you cope with that? I think every injury was a little bit different because some are some are just kind of those nagging things um, that are just going to happen in sports. And then there were injuries that I had that were um, certainly that next level of, of potentially career ending or um, definitely having to sit out major competitions. And I think those were um, those were the really tough ones because it made you examine where you were in the sport and how bad you really wanted that next goal. And so for me, it was kind of that time when I could step back and say, you know what? Um, okay. I, I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to wait it out um, and, and do the therapy and, and get back to gymnastics because I still love it. I still want to do this. And, um, and that was an important part of uh, my career. It's something I look back on, specifically my, my elbow injury before the 1992 Olympics. Um, it was a time in my career where I could have been done very easily. Um, I could have missed the Olympics and then maybe lost the fire to ever come back. And instead, it just made me hungrier. Having to sit on the sidelines made me understand how bad I truly wanted it and how bad I was willing to, how hard I was willing to work. Um, to accomplish that next goal. And so I think injuries can can really help you understand where you're at in the sport, where your head's at. And oftentimes you can come back stronger from injuries. So as you mentioned, it's 2016, Rio Olympics coming up. We're, we're less than probably about two months away from the Olympics. What must be going through some of the gymnasts' heads right now with with two months to go? I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement, um, but also that that understanding that you have to kind of contain the excitement um, because really the process for Olympic trials has begun as of last weekend for both the men and the women um, in, in USA Gymnastics. And so um, now is the time that they really have to buckle down, really focus on staying healthy because this is a long haul um, to get not just to the Olympics, but through the Olympics. So they need to be taking care of themselves, um, not spreading themselves too thin with too many activities and really just focusing on the end goal. But, um, but I think the excitement, and that feeling inside is, is inevitable, but you have to kind of take a breath and, and really focus on it. You got to make the team first. And it is almost more difficult in this country to make the team than to actually go over and medal at the Olympic Games. It's, it's just getting on the team. That's the most important part. And have you got any events coming up with the Magnificent Seven? Will you be going to Rio? Um, I'll be in Rio. Um, I don't know about the other teammates. Um, everyone kind of has separate things, but um, but we are getting together. We actually were together. Most of us were together a couple weekends ago for an event, and we've got a couple more events coming up. So um, so a bit exciting. I think most, if not all, of us will be at the Olympic Trials in San Jose in July. So that'll be a lot of fun, and we're just really looking forward to celebrating this year. And um, and it's just a lot of fun. We're we're so 
um, spread across the country, we're doing very different things with our lives, but at the same time, we have that shared bond that um, we will always have. And so when we get together, it is just so much fun to um, to talk and catch up. How how much do you remember of 96? How much do you take in the experience of, of when you won your first gold and when, when the team won their golds? Uh, uh, is it something you remember like it was yesterday? In some ways, in some ways, there's kind of, um, there's those snapshots that I remember um, the, the most, um, some that, that everyone remembers, like standing up there on that gold medal podium, seeing seeing the American flag being raised and, and hearing our national anthem. Um, certainly uh, after balance beam gold, I, I managed to remember landing and realizing I was on my feet <laughs> and, uh, and seeing my coach jump up and down on the sidelines. And I can't even remember if I saluted the judge. I'm pretty sure I did, but um, it was just such a, a great a moment and that mix of joy and excitement and, and kind of some of that relief because I, I had had, you know, a few mistakes during um, the all around and in the vault competitions that it was nice to end on, on such a high note uh, with my career. And um, so there were a lot of things and there were a lot of things off the gymnastics floor that, that I remember, but, but I also realized that there are many things about that time that I've kind of forgotten over the years. And it's been fun this year to really, um, go to um, a lot of events that are um, more Olympic um, type events and um, you get questions and you hear from fans that remember things that you forgot about. And so it's kind of re- reminiscing with, with all of those people that watched um, along while you were competing. Mm, it's amazing. You're getting all the different angles of, of what was for you probably a, a personal story, but you're realizing that it's touched so many people as well. It's incredible. Absolutely. And of course, you're now a member of, I think, eight Hall of Fames. Is there any one of them you're you're most proud of? Oh, goodness. I mean, they're all very special um, in, in, in many ways. I think certainly, um, oh, gosh, I mean, I don't know. I, they're all so special. But I, I think, you know, being a part of the, the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame is it's just truly incredible. It's it's one of those things where you, you think back and you kind of pinch yourself and, and think, did, did I really do that? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Now, if you've been enjoying this chat with Shannon Miller, I really recommend that you should listen to her audiobook, It's Not About Perfect, Competing for My Country and Fighting for My Life. Shannon is a well-accomplished author. She's authored many books, and this is going to go into even more detail than what we get onto in this podcast. We hear a lot of fantastic things that we can learn from from Shannon in this podcast, The Best in the World with Richard Parr. But let's learn even more from her in her audiobook, It's Not About Perfect, Competing for My Country and Fighting for My Life. Normally, to get that audiobook, it would cost £16.97. How much is that in dollars? Must be around $22. That's still pretty good to get that knowledge. But how about I give that to you today for free? You can get that book by Shannon Miller for free. All you've got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. That's audibletrial.com forward slash best. I said that a bit more slowly. I said it very fast the first time there. But you can then get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download. I did it for the first time and I'm now hooked to audiobooks. I listen to one or two a month every month. It's really worth doing. I wouldn't recommend it otherwise. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. We've still got great things we're going to cover on this podcast with Shannon Miller. And that's coming up next. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. As you mentioned, you're now five years being cancer-free and 2011 must have just been so many lows and then and then highs, I guess. Maybe just explain your feelings of when you uh, were be- were diagnosed with, with cancer and then how you felt when, when they told you that you were cancer-free. I think the diagnosis was a bit of a whirlwind in many ways. Um, I found out that it was cancer after um, the surgery had been performed. Um, so it was a little backward in, in that way. Um, and then after that, I went through chemotherapy and it was a very aggressive form of chemotherapy. And, and that was, that was very difficult. My son was, um, just over a year old at the time. And it was kind of having to come to grips with that idea that this was very serious. Um, you know, I think in our twenties, we, we just, all feel like we're invincible and, and I'd always been healthy. Um, so I just really never thought that much about it. Um, and then here I was in my early thirties going through cancer and, um, I had seen my mom, my mom is a cancer survivor, uh, um, not, not genetically linked, um, different type of cancer, but I saw how strong she was and how difficult it was, but how she had made it through. And I think that helped me and gave me hope that I could get through it. And I just kind of had to keep that mentality that I had through sport. And, and a lot of that came flooding back the importance of setting goals, the importance of keeping that positive attitude, relying on my faith. 
um, really having that team support around me and, and really then just kind of keeping my head down and, and gritting my teeth on the tough days and, and just kind of getting through as best I could. Um, so it was, it was tough. It was a very, very difficult time, but, um, I'm very fortunate to have had my cancer caught early because that does not happen, um, a lot, especially with ovarian cancer. So I just feel very blessed for each day. Mm. Did your approach or outlook on life change? How much did that change afterwards? I think it changed in some ways. Um, I was always very goal-oriented, especially through sport, but even in school. And I think what helped me um, and maybe the the silver lining of my diagnosis and, and cancer journey was that I really do stop and smell the roses now. Hmm. I really do stop and take a breath and enjoy those little things and those important things that happen each and every day. I don't roll through them to get to the next goal quite as quickly as I did before. I really try to um, focus on making each day count. Mm. You you mentioned about you've always kind of been a a goal-setting person. And and of course, uh, even from a chart, from being a child but so many gymnasts are so young and they compete at such a high level at such a young age do you think that that helps bring you this maturity a lot a lot quicker I think in some ways I think um I was much more uh, mature than some of my peers in in some ways but not in every way I think socially I was probably um a little bit farther behind. I, I you know, had never dated. I um, was just not interested in that. I mostly was around adults um, other than, you know, the, the, you know, kids that I worked out with, but for the most part I was around adults and I'm kind of an old soul. So that <laughs> um, fit for me. <laughs> um, I was very shy growing up. So um, even if I wasn't in gymnastics, I probably wouldn't have gone to a lot of the school dances and the different things like that. So um, I think in some ways you grow up fast. I mean, I was traveling the world. Um, by the time I was 12, I was competing for my country. And and that you definitely take that very seriously. Um, I was working with, with charities um, by the time I was 10 and understood the importance of giving back. Um, through my parents and and what they helped me understand that I was, whether I wanted to be or not, I was a role model for other little girls out there. And so I tried to take that very seriously. And, um, and that's hard when you're growing up and you're in front of the public eye as a teenager. And, and I think also going through changes with your body from, you know, the age of 15 to 19, when I was at my second Olympics, you're kind of going through all that. Um, under a microscope and in some ways that can be very very difficult Um, but of course you know you also get the benefit of uh, of all of the opportunities and you that you get to have um, you know from kind of being um, being in the limelight you're able to have a platform uh, to help others in many ways and you continue to be a role model now. You've got your fantastic Shannon Miller Foundation and a lot of the things you do uh, around health and nutrition. Uh, is there any advances in health and nutrition that you know about now that you kind of wish you'd known about when you were competing? You know, I think uh, my coaches did a real good job while I was competing. I think at gymnastics, I was um, a really 
I'm doing very well as far as fitness and nutrition. Of course, I was training so much. It probably didn't matter what I ate, but hmm. um, but my parents did try to make sure that I had well-balanced uh, meals. Um, my coach even brought in a nutritionist at one time to talk to all the girls just so that we understood where we were getting our energy and how important it was to eat regularly throughout the day. Um, as a gymnast, I was eating six full meals a day. And um, I think for me, when I finished gymnastics, when I retired, that's when I got into a little bit of a, a trap because I kept eating those six full meals a day, <laughs> but I wasn't working out six or seven hours a day. Um, so that was kind of the time in my life where I really kind of had to understand how to deal with health and nutrition and wellness um, as a young adult, not as an athlete. And, um, and that took some time. And I think that's where my passion for health and wellness uh, with regard to women and children. I think that's where that grew from and um, in something that I really focus on. And, and these days I really focus on uh, making it accessible and, and making it easy for people. We are so overwhelmed with, um, you know, oh, well now you can't eat this and, but now you do eat that. And three years ago you couldn't eat that, but now it's okay. And um, it, it becomes so overwhelming that a lot of people just throw up their hands and, and give up. Yeah. Um, especially with regard to fitness. If you can't work out two hours a day, well, then you might not, you just might as well not do it. And we have to get away from that mentality and just understand that we try to make the, the best decisions we can each day. But when you fall off the horse and, and you eat the whole pizza, it's okay. <laughs> if that's one day, that's one moment. Let's just get back on track as quickly as possible and, and don't kick yourself too hard. Yeah, it is, it is confusing. Uh, I get confused whether it should be brown rice or white rice. Should it be before the workout, after the workout? <laughs> yeah. Am I allowed to eat sweet potato? Am I not allowed to eat sweet potato? <laughs> it gets all quite confusing. So it's great what you do, trying to uh, make it clear. And of course, one of the things you're also working on is uh, fighting childhood obesity. What, what are some of the things um, that parents and children should be doing to, to not get overweight? Well, I think the importance uh, and what we mostly focus on is just getting kids active. If you can get kids active at a young age, they will more likely stay active for the rest of their life. If they are sedentary, they will more likely be sedentary for the rest of their lives. So the importance and the focus for my foundation is really getting kids active and helping them um, enjoy physical activity, um, making sure that they understand it's, it's not just it's not work, it's playtime. And, and so that's what's really important to me. And I think it's the same as adults. Um, we can't look at exercise as that stuff we just have to grit our teeth and do. It needs to be fun. So if you enjoy um, taking classes, whether it's a spinning class or a dance class, um, go do that. That's physical. If you like running around the, the yard with your kids playing tag, that's great exercise. Um, if, if you're better working out at home while the baby's taking her nap, then there's great opportunity, uh, certainly with the technology we have today, to get a great workout from home. So it's really about finding what's best for you and not being too overwhelmed with the idea of exercise. You don't have to run a marathon, um, but if you can get up and you can do 10 minutes, that's 10 minutes more than you did yesterday. And then once you do 10 minutes, you probably find out that, hey, I might want to go an extra five minutes because this feels really good. And when you start exercising on a regular basis, you find that um, your attitude toward exercise changes. You have more energy. You are more productive during the day. So you start to see that 
as an addition to your day versus taking time away from your day. Yeah, it definitely can be addictive. Well, Shannon, it's 20 years since uh, you were part of the Magnificent Seven, but you're still inspiring people. You're still a role model. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Just before we go, if you could just tell all of our listeners how they can continue to follow all of these great bits of advice and tips that you have through the internet, through the World Wide Web, and how they can follow you on Twitter, that would be wonderful. Absolutely, yes. Please feel free to follow me. You can go to shannonmiller.com and um, see everything there. All my social media is on there as well. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at shannonmiller96. And um, and then, of course, I've got YouTube um, and Facebook and Pinterest. And those can all be found um, on my webpage at shannonmiller.com. Fantastic. We'll, we'll all be following you and we'll see how you enjoy the, the uh, Olympics in Rio. I hope you have a great time. Shannon Miller, thank you for being the best in the world. Oh, thank you so much. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. So there we have it. Shannon Miller, two-time Olympic champion, five-time world champion, member of eight Hall of Fames. If you're going to learn from anybody, you may as well learn from the best. And that's exactly what we've just done with Shannon Miller. I really enjoyed that chat. Got some really interesting insight there from Shannon. And as she said, you need to follow her lifestyle. Go to shannonmiller.com. Hers is an amazing story. I mentioned earlier to download her audiobook. Do that as well. I've had a great chat with her. We've got more great guests coming up on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. So stay tuned for next Wednesday. And of course, we've had some other great guests on before. We've had 19 other guests on The Best in the World. Sean Murphy was last week. John Potter before. All giving you different bits of information. You know, from meditation to training to nutrition to leadership skills. All different facets of not only the sports industry but of the business industry of the tech industry everything we can take from these people in sport we can apply to our own industry and our own business so have a listen to some of those if you enjoyed this one and if you enjoyed this one please go to itunes subscribe download tell your friends give me some feedback on the twitter at richard underscore par go to the website richardpar.net like i said next week i'll be discussing my mid-year goals and where i reached on them the ones i set back in january and i'll tell you how i'm doing with them i'd love to know how your goals are going for this year did you do a new year's resolution how's it going let me know on the twitter at richard underscore par and i look forward to speaking to you again next wednesday take care the best in the world podcast with Richard Parr.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.